Hello, and welcome to episode 402 of the Creighton Crowbar. It is the 28th of July, 2022. My name is Chris Thurston, and joining me this evening is Alex Wiltshire. Hello, Christopher. How are you? Hello, Alexander. Is your full name Alexander? It is. Is oh. your full name Christopher? I know it is. Yeah. I know it is. You knew that, yeah. You've been <laughs> you've been calling me Christopher in a slightly parental way for, for ten years, I think. So I'd never and braved the opposite. I'd never I'd never pushed <laughs> in the other direction. I felt very parental for ten years. I'm tired mm. of being parental. <laughs> <laughs> in what, fact, right now I am not very parental because my family has gone on holiday and left me left me at home to look after the dog. So I suppose I am still parental because I'm looking after an even more um, uh, an animal that needs even more care than a child. Mm. But, uh, Is that true? Uh, I mean, he, he stole a pit of bread. Uh, and I had to pick up his shit twice today. So I'd say, yeah. Those are, those are varyingly bourgeois dog crimes. <laughs> he is the most bourgeois dog you've ever seen. I mean, it, obviously this is me saying it, but, um, Roddy, which is his name, mm. uh, he's a very beautiful dog, Chris. He's a very stylish dog. Mm. He's a retriever. He's, but he's not a normal retriever. He is a working retriever, sometimes known as a golden retriever or the, the proper golden retriever, which means that his fur is very dark brown or like a sort of a, a nut or mahogany, like a honey gold kind of honey gold, mm. honey gold. And he's, uh, it's got this regal rough, but his fur isn't particularly thick. It's very, very slim. He's an extremely bourgeois dog. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that vivid description. I feel like we should, we should, I mean, maybe this is the episode for it, but we should vividly <laughs> describe animals we've seen. Um, this is the often. episode for it. <laughs> it is. It very much is. Uh, trying to think if I've seen any particularly good regal looking dogs. I saw a dog today wearing one of those little vests that say nervous on it, which always oh, wow. makes your heart ache, you know, when it's just a dog, particularly when it's a dog that looks like it's seen some shit and you're like, yeah. <laughs> Checks out. I agree Checks with your out. vest. And it's bitten me because <laughs> it was nervous. <laughs> no, this this was this was sort of nervy in the way of like um not wanting like not wanting to be separated from its owner type. Yeah. You know, it was in a cafe and it was sat oh. there at the table giving everyone else that look of like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> You better not take my. T- which I always I find know. more relatable to, as a response to just simply existing than a lot of dogs, which are including uh, my parents' dog, who's always been very gregarious and, and good with people. <laughs> um, he he he, uh, he spent the entire uh, heat wave um, just becoming a loaf, as far as I can tell. Just retracted <laughs> its his his fore and hind legs and became a kind of dog shaped lozenge in front of a fan for two days. <laughs> which made some very good photographs. Yeah. There so was you've, um, you've home alone yourself. I have home alone myself, but I haven't made any traps. Although I did find the back gate mysteriously unlocked this, uh, this evening, which was weird. So maybe I should make some traps. What's, um, what's through the back gate? There's an alleyway mm-hmm. uh, through which robbers could come and steal <laughs> our, our rusting bikes and uh, a bin filled with br- with bricks so uh that's the first part of your trap right there yeah. <laughs> thank you chris this is, this is right. all the inspiration i needed <laughs> i mean uh, you know i mean you 
you're too you're too bourgeois dog crimes deep so what's a what's a makeshift big green bin uh booby trap you know suspended awkwardly above some rusting bikes yeah this this is how you die incidentally um (laughs) (laughs) small tremor and knock knock the kind of like the shed slightly and the whole thing i'm just imagining that the thing would fly and you would just sort of like physics to the ground you know like uh, you know like um I, I was gonna either in gta but you know like specifically when like a trap goes off in hitman and yeah. you get the kind of like camera in camera of the person having been slain by it but they very much have just sort of gone to sleep <laughs> you know like i'm thinking hold, i'm yeah. trapped under there uh and I, my corpse is discovered by my family on their return in one and a half weeks time it's still, but you're still half clipped through the floor. Like you're, yeah, and you're still one vibrating. arm trembling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mandy. And it's making that noise. Like, you know, when like a steel chair gets trapped in the floor in Half-Life and it's just going like... It's been doing that for a week and a half. I'd like, yes. Right, yeah. This is the way I'd like to go out. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they disturb you slightly and you explode into giblets. Much to the delight of the dog. He's probably been waiting for that to happen. For <laughs> but I think sorry, it's quite dark. No, well, no, I, I'm in a dark place. Mm. Well, I mean, hey, I did um, admire some other creatures. For burglars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did um, admire some other creatures uh, just this evening, just now, in fact. Mm. Yes. Oh wow! What a segue. That good, was a good, good segue, work. wasn't it? Good work. Yeah. Um, Yes. So um, we're recording this shortly after the uh, Annapurna Indie Showcase, um, uh, which I was watching for one specific reason, which is um, Pip's gone and had a game announced tonight. So She's we gone should, and made another one. Yeah, she just she won't stop the hits that just keep coming. Um, so, um, yeah, game announced this evening. We'll put a link to the show notes. Just a, a shameless plug at this point. But the game is called Flock. Um, as in flock of sheep or, you know, flock of birds. Um, is that correct? I've I, I, I become very uncertain. I about think you can have both. Nouns. I think yeah. you can happily have both. Well, that's the, um, the collective noun referee there weighing in to say I'm okay. Um, but this is a new game, um, by hollow ponds, um, who did, I am dead and will not wear that warehouse and loot rascals. um, and Pip is doing the narrative design and writing for it, of which there is none in the trailer. But you can imagine it's a trailer of the game is about, it's a, I think it's described as a co-op multiplayer adventure game uh, about herding creatures that look like they might all go meep. <laughs> very it's definitely, it, it's definitely within, yeah, it's definitely a very Pip game, Pip looking game. <laughs> It really is. I mean, I laugh, but you were completely right. So yeah, there's a, there's a shout out. I have to admit, I didn't, I didn't catch much else of the, um, the showcase, but I have a suspicion this is going to be quite an Annapurni episode. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm dancing around the game that we've both been playing. Well, I just we- wanted to say on mm. Hollow Ponds, uh, mm. I really, I want, I just wanted to note that I really like that developer. I like, mm. uh, I'm, I really like Ricky Haggett. In one of his heads, I've not met Dick Hogg, but I understand he's lovely too. But um, yeah, I am dead is it's a lovely game too, lovely story game, mm. um, and Loot Rascals is a lot of fun too. They're, and yeah, Walmart's Warehouse, lovely, lovely games. What a good track record! Indeed, but yeah. The the 
the the Annapurna special that we've accidentally made this episode will be is, extended. Um, yeah, indeed. Well, you you've been playing uh, before we get to okay. the game that we're going to talk about. Why don't you tell us about uh, far changing tides? Yeah. Um, did you did you play? Uh, well, so yes, for, uh, far changing tides, which has been out for quite a while now, or at least a few months. Um, mm. But I finally got round to playing it, and um, I've been really enjoying it. I really enjoyed um, Far Lone Sales, which was the developer um, Okamotive's previous game. Mm. Um, uh, which uh, Far Change Tides is very much a sort of a follow up um, down to some similar kind of beats in in the game, but um, like in, in the way that kind of it progresses. But uh, I really like it, and it's uh, so uh, both these games have you. And if, if you don't, if you don't recognise the name, you probably recognise the image of mm. the classic image of this game, which is a large vehicle which takes up most of the screen in a kind of a watercolor, washed out color um, uh, environment. Um, and this fantastical, huge engine of a vehicle uh, is going from left to right along it um, through this environment. Um, it's one of them going from left to right games. Um, uh-huh. But this one, although you start out as a little footler, um, going from left to right, um, you eventually, yeah, you, you'll get into this great big vehicle and you will drive this vehicle. And in uh, Far Lone Sales, it was a large car thing with a single massive great wheel um, in Far Changing Tides. You got, you guessed it. It's a plane. No, it's a oh, boat. It's, oh, shit. Big kite. <laughs> oh, it's a big boat. It's a big old boat, and, and rather neatly, uh, Far Lone Sails um, uh, is in a world where uh, we already the, the environment you're going through is a dried up sea. Uh, you get to experience the sea in Changing Tides. I don't know whether the games are narratively linked. Who knows? Who cares? Someone I does. just like driving the big boat. Mm. Um, and yeah, the, what's really cool about the way they make you do it is that it's all very physicalized. So you're, you're always just a little guy. You never take direct control of, uh, over your big boat. Um, you are instead uh, learning how to run this thing. So initially uh, you have to figure out um, a little physics engine puzzle where you know you get on board this thing and there are a number of uh, buttons to press mm-hmm. and you realize that one of them, um, you know, uh, kind of unfurls this mast or un, you know this mast kind of folds outwards or falls upwards and uh then you realize another one is a is a button not a button in fact you can hold a, and pull on a on a line uh and then you can know that you can hook it onto something and then this it unfurls an actual sail and then there's another bit where you can change its angle and therefore catch the wind and there are all these lots of in very interactive very physicalized interface really to the controls of this um this great big boat um and then soon enough of course um you're sailing along and there's sort of like a low hanging rock and if you didn't uh uh, put the mast down in time, it breaks and you've got to fix it and things. And there are lots of kind of very naturalized um, puzzles or situations to deal with. You've got to keep an eye on what's going on as you're going around. And eventually 
you don't need the mast so much because uh, you've got an engine. So now the whole another system or sort of uh, engineering, I suppose you'd call it, set of engineering things to learn about how to power this thing and keep it powered and keep the engine running. It's super charming and it's really, really similar to um, Farlone Sails, which is sort of the same sort of thing, but for a but for a for a boat and um, the sound for a car thing. Sorry, uh, but the sound is amazing. It's just everything clunks and clanks, and there's lots of things to hear, lots of feedback about what's happening delivered through the sound design. But also the music is really good. Um, and uh, yeah, I haven't finished it yet. But um, if you have been hanging back on far far changing tides, I recommend you jumping in because it's. A good game. If someone had played neither of them, do you have mm. a sense of where it makes sense to to start? I would probably go straight for Changing Tides. I think Farlow and Sales is a really good game, uh, but it was, it, I think that they were students when they started out on the project. Mm. And, um, and I think it's a very beautiful looking game, but I remember that it was kind of just technically a bit kind of, sort of little bit janky here and there, you know, the way that the sort of your character would kind of jump around and into, you know, sort of crest things. And it just didn't have that polish to feel. It was very charming for that, I think. But I think that um, Far Changing Tides has, has benefited from their, you know, more experienced, probably a bigger budget, um, you know, the next tier of, technology and whatnot so yeah i'd probably go straight for far changing tides do you think it's and then i guess ask a reverse question like if you had played the first one is it sufficiently different to kind of re-engage you in what sounds like to me at least from hearing you describe it quite a similar premise yeah so i mean yeah because there are there are enough for me there are enough different things in this one to be worth exploring and it's been maybe three or four years since I played it the first time around anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to go back. You know, it's, it's often nice to go back to play a nice thing again, and it's even better when it's not quite the same. If you've uh, recently played Farlone Sales, I think there will be quite a lot of stuff that feels quite different. So, for example, uh, there is a thing that happens in uh, – I, I don't really want to spoil it, but there's a thing that happens in Lone Sales sort of which is – kind of uh quite affecting i'd suppose mm. um you know you you the game kind of builds you up and you sort of start to feel yeah i know what's going on now and then it sort of pulls the rug from underneath you a little bit um which is probably too oblique a description for even people who have played it but it what i'm saying is that the changing tides does the same thing again um which i thought oh okay they're doing that again but then the game's I think it, it, it's always interesting when games do, you know, let you feel a bit powerful and then take away that power. Um, and I think it just about gets away with it. It does handle it slightly differently. But um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't want to speak for anyone. I'm just having a nice time, Chris. <laughs> I'm pleased for you. I'm pleased for you. I just figure speaking at least somewhat for somebody is part of the medium in which we're currently engaged. Indeed so. Mm. It's a good question. Mm. It's a very good question. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. Cheers, uh, mate. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. 
<laughs> I'm welcome. We're both welcome. We're all welcome. And yeah. you, dear listeners, are welcome. Excellent. Well, in that case, shall we, shall we just talk? Because basically, here's the thing. We basically both played the same game. That game is Stray. The fucking and cat game. The cat game. The cat game where everyone's talking about online. Um, the cat game du jour. The, the latest animal game to whip Twitter into a frenzy. First it, it goose, now it cat. Indeed. What, what is next? Probably, if Pip has anything to say about it, more cat. Um, <laughs> but um, we should talk about it. So um, I have, uh, this is an Annapurna game by Blue 12 in this case. Um, Stray is a uh, 3D cat platformer set in a cyberpunk dystopia, kind of, I guess. Um, and it's certainly like, it's been extremely well received. So I've, I've finished it. It's not a very long game. Um, so much so that I played it on, um, on PlayStation, but, uh, it has a, you know, an achievement for beating it in less than two hours. And I think that would be doing it a a fair clip to make it in that time, Yeah, yeah, but it probably didn't take me longer than four or five. How about you, Alex? Have you finished it? You've played the whole thing or? No, I, it feels like I'm in the middle like mm. the, the the little sort of um i think i'm just over halfway actually because if if, if it's uh, collectibles are evenly spread through the progression i'm just over halfway they pretty much are so yeah <laughs> then i know where i am <laughs> cool i think i know where you are as well because <laughs> i remember that moment i was like oh it's about halfway and indeed <laughs> listener it was um so yeah so um i guess i'll give an overview of what the game is um so it is a uh, effectively an, like a narrative-led puzzle platformer, basically, mm-hmm. um, but not of the kind of twitchy platformer kind of the, um, you know, it's a game where you effectively determine the right logical series of, of hops and moves to traverse series of obstacle course environments, basically, intermixed with um, some like object finding, puzzle solving, um, some stealth particularly later on and some sort of like time sequences chase sequences that kind of thing yeah and uh the reason that the game has sort of lit up uh, people's imaginations quite as much is i would say twofold but one of them is way bigger than the other one so thing i'll go for the smaller of the two which is it's a genuinely really nice looking game um really beautiful environments, very expressive characters, which we can talk about in more detail. The robots are varying kinds that you encounter. Um, great music, sense of atmosphere. But the main thing is you're a cat. Um, you are <laughs> that's a cat. it. That yep. is the game. <laughs> you are a cat. And at the beginning of the game, you find yourself, uh, uh, you slip and fall and find yourself separated from your cat friends, uh, tumbling from the kind of, overgrown sort of industrial post-apocalypse that you, uh, you know, explore with your cat friends at the very beginning of the game um, and cast into the depths of a kind of sealed uh, kind of subterranean city, effectively, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of um, occupied by uh, robots called companions, which were once the sort of, you know, the kind of like helper robots, but now they are civilization basically down in this place. Um, and uh, various other nasties, including basically head crabs. 
Yeah. Um, these little creatures called Zerks, which will run at you and latch onto you and kill you, which is quite alarming. Um, and that has to be kind of avoided and there's various other gameplay kind of mixed in. Um, and uh, as a cat, you can do a variety of cat things, um, mostly hopping between like, it's sort of, it's not like, um, as I say, it's not like kind of skill-based jumping. It's sort of like, um, like, uh, what's the best way to describe it? It's like you're pressing X or something to leap to particular ledges as they are highlighted. Like it's very kind of intentional. Yeah. It's, it gives a, certain things it allows you to jump up to at a certain from any particular place when you're in mm-hmm. a certain range of it that's that's basically how it works isn't it yeah and then um yeah there's a variety of sort of um ways to interact with the environment as a cat over over in a kind of fairly limited orbit you can press a button to meow which i imagine a lot of people would be happy about um and um and then uh, very quickly in the game, you get paired up with a little floating robot friend who can, who basically gives you a ton more stuff you can do, including basically talking to people. You were not talking, but your little robot friend will kind of do the talking for you, and therefore you can meet various characters. Um, and tons of other stuff that I will talk about. Before we get into that, what what are your? I, I will talk about my impressions of it and how I feel about it. But what are your top line impressions of it so far, Alex? I. I've had sh- shifting opinions, <laughs> I would say. I, I, I think it's gorgeous and there's so much that is beautifully made about the game. Um, uh, but I do think that it's weird that I'm a cat, but also <laughs> that I am puzzle solving and talking to people because I don't really, you know, it's a game in which you're directly controlling a cat, but the little robot fella is talking to people and telling you about stuff and, and acting as your inventory and various other things. Um, and yet the the robot talks to you or talks to the cat and therefore to me. And I don't know who I am in this game. And I do struggle with that a little bit. Mm. Um, and, and I think that the reason I struggle with it is is that I think that it's there's quite a the, the whole game has a bit of a shaky premise, which is, and it feels like it, it, well, I mean, this game was shown on Twitter a few years ago. These mm-hmm. the amazing, like, was it concept art or was it actually kind of, you know, in engine stuff? I don't, I can't remember, but these amazing evocative um, images of a cat in this kind of Kowloon walled city style environment um and this person said i'm making a game and this is my game and everyone went that looks fucking awesome because it did look awesome um and then you know next thing you know it's signed and then it's all quiet and now the game's come out and it's frankly slightly surprising that a game has come out because i think what it is today kind of does bear some of the evident problems with with how do you make a game in which you are a cat and i'm not sure its solution is fully satisfying me having said that there's lots about it that i'm really enjoying and I'm, in, I'm enjoying a lot of it in spite of itself which is you know in spite of the fact that the, my, the course through it is pretty linear or very linear mm-hmm. or no pretty linear it's, and it's strictly linear 
Yeah, yeah. Like there is an area which you have free roaming sort of control over, um, which is quite a large area, but, you know, what you're doing next is very, you know, yeah. defined. Um, um, but yeah, it has a really lovely feel to it, the way that you jumped from, from you know, thing to thing. I'm also, and this is my last point before I let you talk, Chris, but I admire this game because never before has a game utilized air conditioner units and anti-pigeon spikes so thoroughly <laughs> as a, as a way of controlling and defining your uh, uh, f- movement through a space. That is true. Um, I don't know if that's a category at the Game Awards, but it should be. <laughs> it's going to be now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chris. So, I yes. agree. I, I have mixed feelings about it. So uh, to reiterate the good, I think it is really beautiful looking in a lot of ways, particularly... Um, it's environment art that mm. kind of, as you say, that kind mm-hmm. of Kowloon walled city of the future sort of thing, particularly some later urban environments are really genuinely very, very good looking. Mm. Um, it's robot characters who have sort of like CRT monitors for faces and this kind of retro kind of look are really well designed, really well animated, beautifully um, animated, I, beautifully yeah. animated. Um, and I think in, in, in their own way, um, although I think the setup is a bit confusing, an elegant way around the fact that, for I think games like this and this kind of like scale of production, sort of cinematic indie would be the yeah. way I would describe it. Um, sort of human characters have always been uh, a bit of a sticking point in terms of how to do them. And uh, this isn't the first game to reach for the big button marked, actually it's robots, but it does it well. Um, and also I think the music's great. And I think the yeah. audio design's great. And yeah. there are, within it as well some some really engaging environments or kind of moments of um spectacle even light horror which i really liked hmm. however oh just just yeah, another thing that i just remember that i really liked so like this this moment when uh i get one of the robot characters um asks you to follow them through the streets of hmm. their environment and and just it was such a beautiful thing. I was, you know, you're controlling a cat walking very naturalistically next to this beautifully animated humanoid figure through these incredible looking kind of streets. Uh, and it really did capture something I'd not really experienced a game doing before. Yeah. This sort of sense of, I don't know, I couldn't really put a finger on what it was. I was a cat. I was small and I was walking alongside a character. It was very nice. Yeah, and I think I think it has those moments, and I think it is successful atmospherically, and I think it's very successful visually. And I think, ironically, this is gonna this is gonna be the first of the blasphemous things I say. I think the cat is actually one of the weakest things about it visually, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of nuts. But the reason for that is because it's a you know relative, it's photo real, you know, to to some extent. And I think there are elements of it where it actually comes across as kind of a little stiff or uncanny mm. compared to the kind of the characterful animation mm-hmm. of the other characters in the environment, which I would describe as, you know, as in it has a lot of personality. It's very expressive. I don't think the cat actually is. Um, it's, it's you know, when, when everything's kind of threading together nicely, it is really nicely animated and it is very believable. But actually, I don't think it gels especially well with the story of the game. And, and more to the point, I don't think the game makes an especially strong case for why you're a cat. 
Now, that is the other blasphemous thing I will say, because it is the first thing people talk about. They describe it as the cat game, it's the cat right? Game. Yeah. It's not a cat game, really. It's not about being a cat. It's a game about kind of really primarily it's a game about experiencing this sort of light cyberpunk story or the cyberpunk environment from an unusual perspective. In this case, the perspective of a cat, of a small creature. However, in terms of your participation in the game, it would actually make way more sense if you were a cat-shaped robot, frankly. Yep. Um, it would, and, and this is not to make a kind of boring narrative dissonance point at all. It's that I don't feel like, I think it is the first point, I didn't feel that the game actually made very much out of the fact that you're a cat and was... I got the impression more frustrated by that and more kind of interested in kind of ignoring that you're a cat when it needs to ignore that you're a cat. I think it's um, really interesting the way that kind of a lot of people talked about this, but, and you know, you, you, you can put a paper bag on your head and walk about and, you know, go in the wrong direction and you can go to sleep next to things, or you can walk on a piano or you can push things off ledges or you can bat a ball. Uh, but they're so prescribed these actions you know, to very specific places. Yeah. That, yeah, I agree. I, I totally so, agree. So um, that's, that's, that's what I was going to say. Basically. It's very superficial. And the way I would put that is, because the obvious comparison is Goose Game, right? And Goose Game is also pretty linear. Um, it has pretty linear solutions to its problems. But what it has, and I think it's the really key reason for its success. I mean, it's also... You know, I think both that this game is a big success for vibes, you know, and I think Goose Game is as well. Both in a slightly cynical sense from a kind of marketing point of view, also as a perfectly legitimate way to entertain people. Goose Game has a slightly more analog feeling sense of play. There is a slightly, it's slightly less binary. Your interactions with the game feel like even as you're kind of dragging, you know, it's very physical. You're dragging objects from one place to another mm. to physically create pitfalls and traps for these hapless villagers that you're kind of tormenting as a goose. And even though the exact things the game wants you to do are fairly limiter, linear or fairly prescribed, the your your method of interacting with the world is very engaging and if you feel very engaged with it. And it's very um very engaged with what you can do as a creature of the sort that you are. In Goose Game, you can honk and you have a big prehensile neck that you can use to kind of grab and drag. But that's really your interaction with things. Stray very quickly starts to hand wave things you would not, initially things you would not realistically be able to do. So your little robot friend has the ability to basically sort of like transmat objects, i.e. like take an object, <laughs> scan it and turn it into light and then project it back onto the environment somewhere else. I say transmat because that's Destiny's phrase for this, but it's actually exactly how the ghost works in Destiny yeah. where it kind of beams guns into your hands. Yeah. And it's a sci-fi conceit, it's in a sci-fi game. But what this means is suddenly your cat can pick up and interact with objects that are far bigger than it, that, um, and it can teleport a key from a key ring to a lock and things like that. And that feels like actually for me somewhat spoiled. Like some of the most interesting moments in the game are when you're kind of like carrying an object in your mouth because you've got to get it from one place to another. And there's not much challenge built around that. It's a very easy game, but at least felt like in that moment, like I'm a cat contending with cat limitations. Yeah. Whereas you're quickly freed of those cat limitations and you can, you have an inventory, you can teleport objects of any size anywhere and it doesn't really matter. The second kind of thing is the fact that your little uh, robot companion is obviously talking for you. And obviously you've spoken to this, but 
it blurs the line very quickly between characters talking to you and the cat clearly understanding them. The cat can read. Like, the game doesn't work from a puzzle-solving point of view if the cat can't read um, because there are times where you have to pass uh, clocks, for example, to solve puzzles or, yeah. you know, things like this. So the meta element there is, I guess, if you're the cat, then you the cat can read. If you are a kind of spirit controlling the cat, <laughs> which is kind of what you are, it this, this stuff matters because, you know, well, it matters to the extent that if you want to see this as a game where you play as a cat, None of that stuff makes any sense. Yeah. If you see it as a game with a cat in it, then it, it kind of does. And then later on, um, as the narrative continues, it becomes very clear that the cat is motivated by the same things that the robot is, for example. As this mystery kind of unfolds, what's happened to shut down the city and what happened to the various robot companions and things that are living there, you take on their cause and the cat is engaged in this cause. And uh, even when given the opportunity to just be a cat, actively you know pursues goals that are kind of pretty complicated ways of solving problems and that means that you are i think i was going to say the most helpful cat that's ever existed perhaps the only helpful cat to ever exist <laughs> like again it, it's like if you you know and, and this uh, i'm not really meaning to poo it so much as to say that i feel like it's sort of ostensible promise a cat game and what it actually is the cyberpunk kind of puzzle adventure platformer starring a small character are quite disconnected from one another. Yeah. Um, and I, and, and a lot of that, and you know, the points you made, like when you say you can knock paint cans off things, you can get a bag stuck on your head. You can, um, you can, you know, scratch on carpets and stuff like that. It, it really sounds like a strong sell for the game. And I think it gifts very well. And there are little moments that kind of can be sort of snapped out. And I think it can be described quite romantically. But these are all really specific binary interactions that often have no knock-on consequence beyond the doing of them in that moment. Yeah. You know, you can you can like trip the occasional robot by being getting in the way and things like that. But again, it's kind of canned animation. And I think the the, the what I began to really feel was the emptiness of this was when I realized that like um, it's when the achievements list gives things away, but really there are no consequences for doing any of this stuff beyond if something is a relatively rare interaction, you'll probably get an achievement for doing it. And if you, if something's not rare, you'll get an achievement for doing it a certain number of times or once in every part of the game or something like that. Uh, yeah. And for me, from a design point of view, that's a sign that like the, there the wasn't really a like the answer to for me bolting an achievement to something can be a way of saying like we don't really know why you would do this so here's a reason right so for example there's an achievement for you know rubbing up against the legs of five different robots and when you do this the robot will look at you and make a noise it affects <laughs> nothing to do this yeah. and what I'm not asking for is like complicated branching narrative based on which robots you befriend or something like that However, part of the fun of play in this kind of sandbox environment to me comes from feeling like I'm going to do something and I'm going to see how the world reacts. Yeah. And frankly, nothing ever does. You know, you can, you can bat a paint can directly onto some, like at the lap of some robots at some point and they get splashed by the paint 
and they do not react at all. You can go talk to them, which is a weird thing to be able to do, and they don't react at all. And that like takes it away from like, and this is why I'm talking about that kind of like that comparison with Goose Game. In Goose Game, most things you do get big or small reactions, even if it's just an analog thing in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, and, like it, that that game yeah. is is about being being an arsehole goose and everything is is tailored towards that and supports that and builds on it. Yeah. I think there is I think you know supporting your point um there is a bit where you use one of your cat abilities uh to 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 actually make a, a change in the world and it's so uh prescribed that you know it's just a one-off, one-off thing. And, you know, that, that just illustrates it really, you know, that it happens once and, and you were meant to do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. There's an an example I would give is you can scratch on things and there is necessarily like, there's an achievement for scratching at least one thing in every chapter of the game. Um, But only like occasionally does it actually do anything. And an early example is you scratch on a door to get someone to open it for you. Really basic example. But that doesn't work in any other context, including other doors you can scratch on. It doesn't achieve anything other than, you know, if you're playing with the kind of, um, I can't remember what they're called on the PS5, the like the kind of variable. Um, uh, oh, the kind of the triggery. The triggers, what are they called? The, the kind haptic of haptic figures. Yeah, the haptic, yeah. the haptic feedback for that is pretty cool. Um, but it's very, very, very shallow as an interaction. Yeah. And I, I honestly found myself quite, bored because yeah, really, sort of like, yeah i'm not getting much out of this yeah like the the reason to explore is hidden collectibles and things like that and to occasionally get the odd achievement but there is no reward or encouragement to do cat things and at risk of sort of backseat kind of tinkering with it i feel like the, the idea of experiencing like kind of unusual society or this in this case it's kind of post-apocalyptic society from the point of view of a cat is a really potentially interesting one but what i almost wanted was like um parallel plots to follow so for me to have my own cat motivations to do whatever it is that i'm doing but for me the player watching this happen to also appreciate and take in the story of the world that this is happening around this cat i do not expect the cat to give a shit about any of it and and the point in the game, I think, for me, where it became clear that the cat does care in some way, felt very like maybe this is simply me not being a cat person, but like I felt it felt like if it feels like a very romantic view of how helpful a cat would be in a lot of the scenarios encountered in the game. Yes, frankly, <laughs> um, I doubt even the most helpful dog in the world would handle half of it. Um, you know, um. But to the other point, for as much as I think it has a lot of successes atmospherically and lots, it really is a beautifully designed world, I also, to be honest, didn't really enjoy the story. Yeah. Um, and I think the writing is quite sparse and dry. Yeah. Like there isn't quite, there isn't very, a very strong sense of character. There isn't a very strong sense of personality in what's being said. Um, even though I think the visual designs of the characters are often quite, uh, you know, interesting and and by the end honestly it had largely lost me it had strayed (laughs) into into some pretty pretty familiar territory and i i didn't 
it, even as short as it is, by the end, I really didn't find myself particularly compelled to find out how it was going to end. I have obviously finished it. Um, but yeah, it felt like a bit of a missed opportunity to me. So I appreciate this is all very negative. Um, I, I would honestly, like, I would still play it for the feel of it. Yes. Um, I think there's, you know, there is a kind of uniqueness to it. And I, I can complete, like, I, I, after it's, when I find myself really at odds with, I think, the critical reception to a game, like having, you know, went on Steam and I'm reading, it's got overwhelmingly positive reviews on Steam, people really, really enjoying it. And specifically praising things that just did not work for me, like being a cat or the story as the main reasons to play it. And so I kind of want to caveat what I've said with like, genuinely, it seems like people are getting a lot out of this and it just hasn't worked for me at all. Um, But I would say that I, I did feel like I got a really strong sense of missed opportunity from it and not in the ways that I would expect to be out of scope for a game like this. Like, it, it, you know, I'm not expecting the kind of free roaming, you know, emergent interactions that it sort of gestures at sometimes in its open areas. I think that's probably a bit unrealistic. But there is a real paucity of things to do. Yeah. And that feels like the biggest missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, um, yeah, it's a, I mean, I was still, yeah, I think that all of the things that are actually keeping me engaged, um, uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm persevering with it because I want to see what the next environment looks like and mm. this atmosphere. Um, and yeah, you mentioned that, um, the, the Zerks are like, um, head crabs. There is a real, uh, um, Half-Life 2 feel to mm. a lot of the environments. And it's and not just because the kind of the, the color they use for the kind of, um, the sort of substance, which is, um, kind of, uh, invading the environments, this kind of weird kind of, Orangey fleshy, stuff is fleshy yeah. orange stuff is very is this looks really similar to the stuff that's in um half-life alex um and yeah the, the head crabby things as well but also it's capturing of day-to-day flotsam rubbish and the mm. accumulations of kind of modern life or you know uh, sort of cartons and rubbish and things in corners it really captures that really well it's astounding that a small team has put it together frankly because good yeah. environments you run through quite quickly you know and so it's actually quite a lot of real you know real estate that's being made for the game um but you know and i often sort of feel oh shit i just ran straight through it and didn't really kind of observe any of it what a waste but you know there you go um uh so I'm, I'm playing for that. Um, but along the way, it is giving me new things to do. You know, there's like that light pub, um, uh, puzzle solving that you mentioned. Mm. Um, and you know, it'll mix it up. You know, you learn this behavior, this thing that you did to deal with this threat. Now you've got a slightly different environment to use that skill in a different way. You know, that stuff I enjoyed. Then, but then again, was that, it's simply because I was surprised that it had given me something f- fresh. It might well have been actually rather than me sort of thinking this is great. It's yeah, it, like, it does. Oh. So it does, you're right. Like it does have, um, it has the half-life structure of giving you a new, you know, some fundamental things about the jumping that are kind of consistent across the game. And then 
it will give you something, a new toy for an environment and it will just last for that environment, right? Yeah. You'll solve puzzles with that thing and it'll, it'll shift and the nature of the challenge will change as well. And it's a good structure, right? Like it's really tried and true. It what is. I found is nothing it did surprised me. Yeah. And nothing it did was especially connected to being a cat. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's like, yeah, it's, it's all outside of it. And, um, I mean, you know, the, the smallest change to the storyline that, you know, you're a sort of Blade Runner style animatronic cat, you know, that would have fixed some of this, these issues because your relationship with what this thing is, you know, would change. And, and, but yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, it's not surprising and it's by no means, you know, this sort of offering you something new to do in an, in an environment and then, you know, and now on to the next week or something else. This is nowhere near Nintendo levels of invention where, you know, yeah. sort of, it's sort of like, Hey, we're so full of ideas. We can afford to sort of just give you a few minutes of playing with this incredible thing. It is not like that. It's um, funny though, because if you were like, obviously the game would make a million times more sense if you were a robot cat, Like that's the kind of like thing we're saying. However, I think it would be worse weirdly because <laughs> it's really clear that like playing as this, you know, kind of, you know, it is, it is a well depicted cat, even though like ironically, I think it's like the least kind of thing that they work which i agree with by the way and the, the first thing that my daughter said when I, I thought she'd like it i started playing um you know when it came out and kind of sort of this amazing scene and she said oh it's got oh, it's got really bad graphics she said and i said what are you talking about i like, look at look at look at this amazing vegetation and this rotting uh uh concrete what are you talking about it's got bad graphics and she said well look at the cat and I said, yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're right it does not look quite right it doesn't it's mm. yeah anyway Un uncanny, sorry I interrupted uncanny an uncanny cat yeah and catty um it's um i think it's honestly like um there's a people like cats this is this is the hottest yeah. take i'll ever have <laughs> people like and and it is it, like it's just a charming creature to exist. The cat is my review of cats. Pretty good. Um, I, I'm, I must admit, I'm still surprised that it's as popular as it is. You know, Steam, I noticed today that it's got something like 45,000, you know, yeah. positive sort of reviews, which is, I don't get that. The, normally these things kind of, people get all excited about it and there's a certain amount of kind of initials sort of like, oh, oh yeah, brilliant. We love the cat game. And then like people say, yeah, but the cat game isn't that good because it's, it's not. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's an, it's a really interesting one. I because think, it's cause... such a linear game. Like most games where people kind of really, really long-term get into them, you know, they're really open, you know, and get offer freedom within them. And this one doesn't, I don't get it. I don't get it, Chris. I, I think so something I, I believe like even though I have problems with the like I've said I'm going to reiterate it I do think it's very successful atmospherically like I don't think anything in it really stands up for scrutiny however I'm also not sure that anything in it actively works against your enjoyment of the game yeah and so I think it I think it bears a sort of um I'm trying to say this without sounding like a dick, basically, but I think it bears a superficial level of engagement incredibly well. Yeah. 
And I think that is actually like a criteria for success. Like, and this is a little bit more inside the baseball, but like, I think if you're an indie kind of like, I think that is a success for it. Right. And I think that's something that I can see. And like, it's going to try and carve out and identify this notion of cinematic indie, right. Where it's not narrative led in the sense that, um, a really strongly narrative game, like man of firewatch might be or something like that, or, or Edith Finch, but is instead based on the kind of successful, evocation of a mood um which i think is really key to a lot of fiction genre fiction anyway now i don't think it's enough i think it would be a much more edifying game if it went a bit further than that and like when you started to compare it to half-life i realized how i would really happily that that world as depicted in like half-life 2 for example is so rich and compelling that you could be anything in it right and i would happily play a game where i had cat objectives in the world just surviving or hunting mice or licking myself or whatever and this kind of fascinating world was unfolding around me i would that sounds great to me for this there's a desire to put you a bit closer to the center of the action to tell a story through it it didn't really work for me but it's also pretty unobjectionable it is not a hard game like i think when you talk about like the way the reason the games had the reception that it's received I believe that the cat thing's fairly superficial. However, I think it's there and it's quite, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's undeniable. There it is. It's a cat. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't ignore it. Um, and people's dogs and cats will, will find it interesting enough to pose for a photo in front of the telly. And that will sustain a whole kind of span of different kinds of engagement with the game. And also it's not especially long. It's not very hard at all. It's incredibly strictly linear, so it's quite hard to get stuck. It has a built-in hint system. It's very smooth and kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. fairly pleasant to play through. Like I think I probably played through the whole thing in three or four sittings. And I admit I did stop because I got bored, really. <laughs> um, but I didn't dislike it. And I was kind of, I got all the way through it, you know, and I played. And I think these are successes. And, and I'm really trying not to down with faint praise. But I feel like it's not a mystery to me that it's it's achieved a lot for a lot of people by being um, accessible, atmospheric, good-looking, easy to play. And I mean that not in terms of being challenge-free, but being easy to kind of engage yeah, it's with. Smooth. It's, it's smooth. smooth. Yeah. Now, I did. I am surprised that it's doing what it's doing at the price point it's at and price is always such a tricky thing how much is it on steam 25 quid i think mm. and that it feels if like uh i mean the the question of so for example i um i uh have the silly new playstation plus for playstation right yeah, me because too. I, i'm finding it because personally i'm finding like i don't really i'm not interested enough in playing new like triple a console games that i will pay 65 pounds when they come out but like between xbox um game pass and that it's like not it's not it's not very it's like the highest cost of two full price triple a games over the course of a year to get most of them eventually so that sort of works for me yep anyway so i um um so stray is bundled with that on playstation and so for me it was like a perfectly enjoyable four hours that i didn't think was perfect but you know i, I i'm not like kind of you know upset by no. um 
as part of this service I'm paying for. And if we wanted to get into that subject of like, you know, it would actually be, it, it feels like the ideal thing to roll out onto these services because of the way that those services incentivize yeah. game development, engagement, the kinds of experiences people are looking for, where if your rolling subscription generates two meaningful four-hour experiences in a month, I'd probably be pretty happy with it. Yeah. Right. It's also the kind of game in terms of its scope, budget, and so on that I can imagine doing well out of a model where there's a, you know, a, a front-loaded fee for the developer, so they're not quite as tethered to sales, etc. Right. This all makes yeah, sense yeah, to yeah. me. It feels quite compelling. I am surprised it's doing as well. It's still on the top sales on Steam at yeah. the. It, I just checked the twenty-four pound price point that it's at. Um. But I guess the only thing I can take away from that is people still looking for games to buy, which is an interesting takeaway in the era of subscription services anyway. And, um, and don't need them to be especially um, deep or robust for that price point. Like it's around the same, it's actually more expensive than um, Outer Wilds, for example. And I think they are kind of completely uncomparable in terms of, in my own kind of like the value of those experiences to me. Now I fully appreciate the price question is like absolutely unnavigable, right? You know what I mean? In terms of like what, what people's time is worth and so on. Um, it just surprises me. That's all, you know, yeah, exactly. Um, but obviously good for them. They've really hit something. Yeah. And, but I think, I don't know, it is, it does feel that it's gone into the kind of madness of crowds a little bit, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's the cat game because it's the cat game now you know and it, it's its own merits don't really f- factor in too much so which is why i'm kind of surprised that now people have played it and they've paid their 25 you know 24 quid and discovered that it's uh three hours long you know for most people then that's when i would have expected the bad reviews to start appearing and public yeah. opinion to shift which it hasn't and i suppose that you know you know, I, I believe that it's a perfectly worth that money, you know, mm-hmm. you know, if I wouldn't, if it wasn't for the fact that I also subscribe to, um, PlayStation, I don't even know. What is it called, Chris? Plus extra plus, plus cool? premium, super plus fun. Great job. You, you bought this. <laughs> Thanks for the money. <laughs> Love you. I probably Sony. wouldn't have bought it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm just having a look at the Steam reviews and like, I just think it's, I just, I find it interesting. I like, and it's, it's partly more like, I think I've said what I need to say from, from a critical point of view. Like, I think it's fine. Um, but an anthropological point of view. And here we are. Yeah. The cat game we're discussing as a reflection of humanity rather than the cat. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's that, you know, I mean, can a game give you toxoplasmosis? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> this is what's happened. <laughs> um people like cats honestly like you know there's it may well be that simple like to the point like i think you know goose game is pretty much a genre and if it's not yet it will be um and they they done the thing i will say it's interesting because obviously this has been a phenomenon that's been around for a while right like it definitely fits somewhere at the intersection between sort of like prestige feeling very smooth very accessible very good looking um big budget indie you know the kind of cinematic indie thing yeah and the 
endless sort of um, social media potential of like goat simulator on the opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum. Yeah. And like, if you think of it to kind of recontextualize like the decade in animal games, think of like goose game is effectively like an upmarket goat simulator. Right. Um, you know, like where one is sort of kind of Gary's mod adjacent physics nonsense with a funny screaming goat in it. <laughs> And the other is a far more artfully created, and I mean this genuinely, a far more artfully created and crafted kind of experience, but with a similar premise at its heart, which is people like funny animals. Yeah. This feels like the same thing pushed in a more serious direction. There's obviously, you know, more of these games coming, (laughs) frankly. (laughs) Like, I've avoided the cat in the room here by saying, you know, Pip's working on a game that's in a similar space, obviously. Um... (laughs) Uh, in the cat game, and so you know, there's sort of I would just expect to see more things like this. And honestly, like as That's much okay. as we kind of we, yeah, exactly. As much That's as we're okay. kind of like questioning the its kind of continued success because like almost fifty thousand reviews. This game's done extremely well, and if people are kind of feeling overwhelmingly positive about it, that means they're not regretting the money they spent on it. So great, you know. Like I can think of far less deserving recipients of that kind of success. And even, even in the most cynical possible outcome of this, where suddenly we see this wave of like games slightly clumsily replacing their protagonists with cats to cash in on the <laughs> cat game craze. That sounds like a kind of, that sounds like a weird little phase to live through. I'm game. <laughs> Honestly, like, you know, if this is like, if like if the next wave of indie games aren't about um anonymous but personable uh sort of uh children in hats but are about cats fine if they're not about lost little robots but they're about cats fine if it's not like a series of games where you're a kind of depressed i mean we don't they don't really make the kind of depressed man reckons with his life type <laughs> game anymore they probably do depressed cat reckons with its life i'd play that you know probably yeah. get loads more of these <laughs> yeah 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 and maybe they'll come from annapurna and maybe they won't mm. that'll be a whole mix must be annapurna's biggest game what's uh what's coming up that would be would be better with a cat in it i've made the mistake of clicking the uh, popular upcoming tab on steam and i don't recognize any game in this it's all RPG maker games. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Speaking, I did sort of, this is a, this is, this is an aside. So I mm. must admit, I am in a place that wants this kind of smooth, not particularly challenging kind of pretty game, pretty game kind of mood yeah. uh, on, on the old um, Super Plus playstation plus yeah uh, i've been playing ghost of tsushima which i think really fits neatly in there as well lovely looking very smooth the way that you kind of open the, the menu and go out of it and the way when you call the horse it appears with just the right length of delay and the way that you kind of turn to it and jump on and and then scooch off into the kind of beautiful environments and and the fighting is just the right level of kind of challenge where it's feels you know it feels good but it it's not beats me around the head um 
and I'm just grazing off it, grazing off it. And um, there is a space for all that. There's yeah. a space for all that. I think, I think, you know, grazing frictionlessly is kind of all we want from entertainment now in my, you know, like that, that's not true. I, um, but it is, it, I mean, it, I think the kids say it's a mood. Uh, it is. Do they, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> did have they, they used it right? Did I, did I? <laughs> it either is in a position to say no, the answer is no. But I think, yeah, it, I'm, I'm not really wanting anything to test me at the moment, put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And maybe there is a, you know, there is a broader point there about like when and how, like, I'll put it this way, like, and to the point I'd made about, like, honestly, if this turned into a kind of slightly cynical craze, people putting cats and everything, that's probably not the worst cynical craze to ever grip this industry. The other, the other is like, um, there's a ton of very credible artistic achievement in this game. And it happens to be that the format and, and I think, as you say, this, I, you know, it's a demonstration, I think, of the good that can be done through effectively the games as subscription format. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, a, bit, yeah. A, bit, a bit more questioning of, of Stray as a kind of purchase in some ways, given how its relative lightness. But, you know, I, I bought weirder things, honestly, <laughs> including today. Um, but, like, um, I think experiences like that are perfectly worthwhile use of that thing. However, I think there's one of those fine lines here where um, I would hope what I would hope is that the the real kind of X factor in this game's success is that the cat game label is being backed up with something artistically credible. Even yeah. if in my assessment of it, the two things do not actually marry together very well. Um, I think people are kind of coming in for one thing and benefiting from the other, and therefore it's working for people. I would hope that a game that was far thinner in terms of its kind of artistic credibility, its message, its art, its art direction, those kinds of things would not be doing as well. Cats or no cats. Yeah. And that, that is kind of like what I'd hope to get out of it. And it, it's a bit similar to kind of like, I don't know, the effect on prestige TV of the era of streaming, right. Where it's like, you know, there's a, there's certainly a cynicism to, I don't know, Netflix or Amazon prime TV or whatever, in terms of what gets made and, the kind of algorithmic impact of things for what it's worth. This does not feel like a game is a product of an algorithm, but I can see the kind of concern that that may be where we're heading, particularly if the money in indie is, is all wrapped up in kind of making things that are kind of friendly to these subscription services. Um, but I can also see the um, benefits in, in kind of finding ways to support shorter form, lighter, smoother experiences that don't need to be infinite engagement factories, those kinds of things. And I will say that as someone who otherwise basically just plays infinite engagement games, it was nice to finish something in a couple of sittings. It was. <laughs> yeah, was something. And I'm really yeah. wary of that take because I find that it comes up all the time now that kind of like, why, why did, why, whatever happened to finishing games? Yeah, we do almost, almost always written by older people who often have kids. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and are tired. Yeah. Hey, kids. Haven't, haven't home themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, and cause the other thing, like, cause I remember, cause uh, now that I have the PlayStation plus thing, I've been kind of enjoying just downloading games I've missed or whatever, or like, you know, I, I have a combination of PlayStation plus and much faster internet than I used to have. So, you know, 
pulling down a kind of 30 gig game is not going to take very long, particularly to get to a playable state. Um, sort of like I can leave that going and, you know, wander around pointlessly for 10 minutes and I'll come back and it's playable. But I decided to play, um, I had this weird craving to play Injustice. You know, the DC fighting game? I have nothing to say oh, about this, but I decided to play okay. the second one. So yeah. I played the first one quite late, and I like NetherRealms fighting games, and I had this craving to play it. So I downloaded it because it's free on that service. Yeah. Uh, well, not free. I paid for the service. And I played it, and I was like, yep, this is this is exactly scratching this itch. But that game, <laughs> they, for example, they bolted a really deep and wholly, I think, completely superfluous loot system to it. Oh, so really? You can, Did like, they? Yeah, oh. so you can, like, you know, unlock like a loot box that contains some new gloves for Batman that increases the power of his Batarang by four and a half percent. And, and this is a fighting game, like a 2d fighting game. And so if, if that sentence made you feel incredibly tired, that's how I felt. And, and, but, and I, I don't really care because I've got my, you know, time's worth out of the game. It, it, you know, because I got it through the subscription thing. But part of me was sort of like staring at that, like, fuck, this sort of like completely naked kind of engagement grind was deemed necessary for reasons to do with the longevity of this game at the time. And I would, I would rather live in the era of the slightly, (laughs) slightly thin four hour cat game than the, whatever the fuck is going on there, <laughs> you know? I, I wonder how, how appropriate that is for something, you know, for, for a service like that, because, you know, I don't think you, you're going to, unless that loop is very appealing and beyond new gloves for Batman, you know, I can't see it really sticking with many people. No, and I, I don't think it will have done. I mean... But I'm really, I mean, it's less the execution of this system and more it's about the more, the yeah, um, motivations that it speaks to, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, and, and, and it's a good thing to seek, to try and make an engaging game, I will say. <laughs> it's a, it is a, it is a good and worthy thing. But uh, yeah, I would rather see more frictionless cat experiences than frictionful Batman loot boxes. <laughs> and I'll, I'll stand by that in a court of law. <laughs> Hold my hand up to God and swear it. I agree with myself. <laughs> sure, I have spent a lot of time talking about cat. But we didn't talk about cat very much at all. And that, that was the true message. Was it? I don't know. I spent a lot, a bit of time talking about the cat. <laughs> you can press circle to meow. I, I've pressed it a lot um, and I got the achievement, but mostly because I was trying to get the dog's attention. He was trying. He was. He was staring at the pita bread in the uh, the kitchen. He was trying to get him, get him out. Were there? Is, are there not other ways to summon your dog's attention? Um. Uh. I. I must admit, I was experimenting more than I was uh, applying yeah. actual proper. You know. Does the dog respect this fictional cat more than it respects you? Uh. I would like to think no. Hmm. And I. Th- I think I'm right, but I think that this he knows that the fiction. You know, the fictional cat doesn't give him treats True. and I do because I'm weak <laughs> <laughs> he took his I own bit of bread so <laughs> yeah 
Was it a stuffed pitter or did you just go for it? I'll d- okay, I, I will tell you the saga of, of the pitter bread on the side. Um, I made myself a beef rendang today. Nice. Um, which is a one of the family favourites. It, it involves making it hours before you eat it and it gets cooked all day and it's really very, very good indeed. Um, my rendang today went terribly wrong because I put it on the hob um, and went out to take the dog out for a walk and had misjudged how wet it was, how much fluid there was left. Oh, and despite having the cover over it, I came back to a burning smell and it had really, I don't even know whether the casserole dish is, is going to be savable. Um, I managed to scrape off some rendang from the top and put it into, and I had the bright idea, instead of having it with rice, putting it into a piece of bread with some tzatziki and uh, uh, to eat it like that. Uh, why the fuck am I telling you this? I'm, I'm fascinated. I mean, I'm mostly like, <laughs> there's part of me that's terrified that you went out with the dog with a, a rendang on the hob. I got to say, that doesn't seem safe to me. It doesn't but... sound great. Yeah, I agree. And I did do it uncomfortably. And yes, <laughs> I was fairly <laughs> sure. I did sort of gingerly move things away from it, flammable things. <laughs> uh-huh. But but not the crucially the flammable food that you then <laughs> flammed. <laughs> it was disappointing. So what happened next? Please don't leave me hanging. I I ate the the the, the one okay. bit of bread and went back for the second one because I wasn't satisfied. I need to find the dog jumping down from the side, or you know, and his front paws up on it, and it wolfing down the remaining bit of bread. So was it stuffed with with beef rendang at the time? This one wasn't. No, it was a naked okay. one. And, and, you know, because honestly, I, you'd really buried the lead much like an hour ago at the start of this podcast. If the dog stole your beef rendang bit <laughs> <Yeah>. of bread, <laughs> my burnt beef rendang. True, Kenneth Naven crimes. <laughs> Welcome to Somerset. Making came about that. I say, yeah, indeed. <laughs> well, I'm. Thanks for listening, Chris. Thanks. Thanks for sharing, Alex. I appreciate that. I mean, can real life match the thrills of games? Apparently this week it can. Um, I think, I think that's all of the things we have to share this, this week. Isn't yeah, it? it is. I, I've, I've, I've nothing else. I'm, I'm, I've rung out. Yeah. I've rung out everything. Is this the most you've spoken to somebody today? Uh, yes. Last two days. Last okay, two days. Cool. Good, I, good. I have been working, but, um, because I work for a Swedish company and Sweden basically all go on holiday uh, now. No one's around. I'm sorry, man. Just <laughs> you, the dog. Honestly, it's quite dang. nice just to, to chill, actually. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I take the hint. Well, so it's a slightly shorter than usual episode this week, but, uh, but that's but I think value rate, a value-filled, content-rich. Stuffed, stuffed like a pit of bread. Um <laughs> with exactly one thing and a little bit of tzatziki. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you for listening. If you'd, if you'd like to find more podcasts like this one, you can find them at creatingcrowbar.com, which is where you'll also find a link to our Discord server, where you can discuss podcasts just like this one. This episode is available on YouTube. You might be listening to it on YouTube right now. But in the event that you're not, you can find uh, such things on youtube.com forward slash creatingcrowbar. Thank you to everybody who supports the Crate and Crowbar Patreon. Keeps us in in beef and pita breads and, and other forms of 
sustenance. Um, you find out more about the Crate and Crowbar Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Crate and Crowbar. I feel like this outro is going rather well so far. It's very good. Thanks. I'm keeping my mouth shut. I appreciate it. Uh, not that. I mean, the, the, the compliment. I fucked it up now. Um, <laughs> what else do I normally say? That's pretty much it, isn't it? I've been, I've been Chris Thurston and I've been uh, Alex Wilshire. Yeah. And I guess I feel like I was quite mean about the cat game. It really is very good looking. You should. It's, it's a smooth experience. It's, it's a smooth. If you didn't pay for it or you did pay for it along men, alongside many other things, you might get something out of it. We've come in hot and we've left burned. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody. Everybody. <laughs>